Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. I'm here. We're here. Uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, Thanos did not uh, take away our show last week. Actually, I guess he did. He kind of did, he yeah. Did. So uh, Ryan came down to mm-hmm. visit us last weekend so that we could all go see i almost said infinity war end game we did watch infinity war though we did watch infinity war that's true you almost fell asleep like four times but it happened (laughs) it was true and i talked about this on dungeons and diapers and i'll mention it here and that uh i don't stay up very late because i'm up at six every day and at 11 o'clock i'm like getting getting time i'm up at six every day too it's just that i haven't gone to bed yet (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah, you should you should have finished that sentence. Uh, but like, yeah, no, I'm so at eleven o'clock. I'm tired, and I'm like, I don't know if I can watch a two and a half hour movie. And I rem- I forgot how good Infinity War is as a film because like basically, we we finished it, and I was like, okay, now I'm going to bed. But I'm surprised that I paid attention the whole time, and we were we were reminded that uh, Peter Dinklage and his. Uh, <laughs> performance in that film was was definitely a go pee moment uh, yep <laughs> <my hands. laughs> they killed us <laughs> <laughs> you'll be dead they'll kill you uh peter dinklage you can do so much better as evidenced by another show that was on this weekend but that's not what this is all about but we had fun we had a good time we did, and uh, part of the good time was uh, Ryan actually brought his VR, um, I guess it's the Oculus? Yeah, so I have an Oculus Rift and uh, the touch controllers as well. We set that bad boy up, and I have played VR here and there, but I had not done it in a social setting, so I was looking forward to that, because I don't know if you... I were... couldn't believe how stoked everyone was for it. It was like the first thing people wanted to do when they walked through the door. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I I think it I hadn't seen a social gaming sort of moment in person like that since maybe Guitar Hero or Rock Band where everybody wanted to pick up an instrument and like do silly things that they normally would not do in public. And I think Guitar Hero and Rock Band was the last time that I had experienced that. Well, that's that. That's definitely what it reminded me of because um, the guys played Beat Saber. Mm-hmm. I did not play anything because no. it made me nauseous just to watch the the stream on like the TV. Mm-hmm. So and and I'm not a fan of um, I guess like fully immersive experiences, like not or like having the basically I'm not a fan of VR in that like I don't want what my eyes are seeing and my body is feeling to not reflect the world around me. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it is jarring. I think the setup we had at your place was better than the setup I have. I, I would have here in that my room is a, little, is a little narrower in the sort of forward and backward movements, and that's where you want the space, like side to side, mm-hmm. like as long as you can kind of like stretch out your arms and move around you're fine but like if you can't sort of lean back and move forward you you do feel a little claustrophobic and i think mm. the setup we had at your place we were able to to have that good play space and you know not to skip to the end but no one got hurt uh yeah. no one broke anything 
Everything yep. made it home fine. It was it was a VR miracle, and it was surprising because I we had three experiences that we were kind of playing around with. Beat Saber, one you already mentioned, which is the lightsaber Guitar Hero game. Um, not as not as played as much as I I would have thought. That was that was the one that really showed me VR in a way that was like, oh, this actually works, feels great, and it's a transformative experience in that like this is something different uh, mm-hmm. and new and and actually works really well. Uh, but you you had mentioned you know it had made you nauseous, and this is the first time I've actually you know, in a social setting, experience people who are having a great time watching it. But then also the other side of the coin where there are people who are, you know, VR makes them nauseous. And even just viewing somebody else's viewpoint on the television was causing issues. Uh, you couldn't even be in the same room, right? And that... Yeah, and I think that the the reason for it, because I was talking to Matt about it later, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's like, it's like input lag. Because... Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this or like the person in the VR that's giving me the feed is having similar thoughts to me and thinking of looking in the same places, but then like not doing it like when I would, you know what I mean? So it's just like, there's that split second of like, oh, I want to look to the left. I look and then they look and it's like, whoa, (laughs) and it just, it was just throwing me right off <laughs> yeah and that's one of the things about vr that i again i was happy i have to a touchy t- stomach in general though like yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't really surprised when vr made me nauseous i was like there's so many things that make me feel nauseous so <laughs> well uh it's interesting because i hadn't experienced it in a social setting so i was trying to sort of experiment with what it's like because I've heard a lot of people criticize VR as like, oh, it's a solo experience. It's the person in the headset and everybody else just has to wait their turn. And that is essentially true. But I, I hadn't really thought of that other side of things where your experience on the television might literally be making people sick in the room. Uh, <laughs> and part of the work I've been doing with VR is to try to create an experience where people in the headset are experiencing something, you know, that they want to experience and they're having a great time, but also on the television, it's allowing people who aren't in the headset to get a taste of what that person is experiencing without them also tasting their lunch again, you know? (laughs) And, uh, that's, that's, that was very, a very good thing for me to learn. And that, you know, I think the mirroring from the VR and the headset to the television, while, you know, cheap, uh, tech wise it's not using like it's just it's just basically outputting you know another viewpoint onto the television uh it's not as far as i know it's not doing like a, a lot of process it might be doing a little bit of processing but uh it would be really interesting to see sort of games in the vr space sort of display on the television like basically a a vi- the video game feed you know as opposed to the vr feed in that mm-hmm. you're seeing a fixed camera angle and you're getting again a taste of what yeah, that person's like, doing. Yeah, like even if it was even if it was like a third person camera mm-hmm. instead of the first person camera, but like showing me all the the things that the person's doing, like mm-hmm. that that probably would fix it. Yeah, so we so you know, Kearney and I were experimenting with uh Beat Saber in that there is there was mod support before a bunch of patches were made, and one of those mods was a third person camera avatar where you could 
basically make a fixed camera. That was the first thing we looked into to kind of see like, okay, how can we do this where, you know, Jocelyn can listen to the music and enjoy the the, the lightsaber action without feeling mm-hmm. like she's going to, you know, get sick. And it just didn't, the, the mod looked like it would provide that, but it just, it didn't work because I think um, mod support was kind of removed with, with the latest patch. But I, I'm sure there are games out there that have that sort of like, social you know experience safe display on television without you know causing vr sickness i just haven't seen it yet because every experience has been solely focused on the solo of the person in the headset um not to say that we had we didn't have a lot of fun watching people you know play or i had a lot of fun i actually didn't play a whole lot because i wear glasses and my contacts were you know not behaving and uh, i was trying to prioritize sort of basically end game with my contacts but uh mm-hmm. we played before we talk about the main game the other one was super hot a couple people check that one out that's a very solid vr game it's more about like you know shooting and dodging and and it's a very slow paced game where as you're moving with the touch controllers things are moving around you um but the one we i had no idea existed until you know matt had showed me a, a couple gifs of it was blades and sorcery vr which is a fairly new early access game on Steam. It was released in December. And when I first heard of it, it reminded me of Mounted Blade, or it was like Medieval Combat. And it was a game that came out years and years ago. Like, it was big on Steam. Does that one ring a bell to you? Like Mounted Blade or Mounted Combat? Or it was like Medieval Uh, Times. Vaguely? Yeah, it was big, but also like not not, not my cup of tea. Uh, it was kind of like a super simulation game where you have your sword and your shield and it was very difficult to control. And um, I never played a lot of it, but I, I know it wasn't my jam. But when he when I, when I he showed me the gifts for this Blades and Sorcery, it's basically a physics-based arena combat game in virtual reality. And this is one of those ones where I picked it up and, you know, they show gifts where you like, you've got the sword and your shield and it's directly mapped to your hands as you're moving. So everything you do, your character does in game in terms of combat. So if you raise your shield, you can block attacks, you can kind of, you know, block, uh, you know, arrows with the shield the grab the arrow off the shield and kind of like throw it to the ground all badass like, like it was really cool. So I checked it out and it... It is one of those games that basically ignores the first rule of introducing people to VR, which is tying the control stick directly to movement. So the fact that you are getting ill just watching people play Beat Saber, which is a fairly tame game by VR goes, like it's pretty tame. This one, I booted it up. I only played for five minutes and I was like, oh, wow, okay, the guys are not going to want to try this one first. Because when you move with the control stick, basically your character moves as if it's walking and you're in the headset and that makes you feel all kinds of weird and gross feelings. <laughs> like, yeah, very upsetting. It was and... it was actually really funny because um, so my brother-in-law, Matt, my mm-hmm. husband is Matt and my brother-in-law is also Matt. It's super totally easy. Not... <laughs> your roommate's Matt. My it's, roommate is also Matt. Yeah. yeah, there's three three Matts in my life right now. The but... Bible was a big hit in the late 80s. <laughs> but yeah, so um, my brother-in-law, Matt, he uh, actually literally said, because he was one of the ones that just like walked through the door and was like, oh my God, where's VR? I need to try it now. <laughs> yeah. And like I said to him, I was like, 
after he played for a little bit, I was like, oh, man, you know, like some of that stuff does look really fun. I wish I could play, but it just it makes me so nauseous. And he's like, oh, oh, it makes me nauseous, too. But I just can't put it down. It's so fun. <laughs> you just get to stab people in the, the medieval arena and like, go OK. <laughs> and, and I, uh, you know, kudos to those guys for for really, you know, leaning. Because, again, like they don't have the headset. It's It's a high investment. Yeah. Uh, and and the new headsets that are coming out in May, they just announced you have the Oculus Rift S, which has no sensor tracking, which is nice because one of the issues when you turn around and you only have two sensor trackers, it, it loses sight of the controllers, which can cause some some weirdness. So you always want to be facing forward as best you can. Um, so it it's kind of, depending on the reviews for the Oculus Rift S, it's kind of a great time to jump in because it basically $550 you get the whole setup um if you're interested in VR it's a it's a good time but I mean if if it's not something you think you're going to get your money out of it's definitely not something you want to you want to jump on right away but with this Blades and Sorcery game all three of them Matt Matt and Adam all tried it first when they were playing VR and I'm like just remember guys as soon as you move it's going to be trippy and they were they were all in on it. Like, they, they thought that was part of the fun. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself an expert, but I'm definitely, like, intermediate when, like, when it comes to VR. Like, I'm, I'm okay. And that movement style still to this day kind of, like, makes my stomach a little gurgly. And I got to take the headset off. But And they all had different play styles. So, you know, Kearney, he was very, you know... Um, as he is like cold and calculated and kind of like trying to do his best to to do it the way the developers would have wanted him to do and then yep. you know other Matt Belanger he was going in with he was doing the Spartan with the shield and the and the the spear and kind of like going over the shield and it worked quite well and then uh, <laughs> Mr. Love true to his name uh just has two daggers and just does the windmill so basically what you would think he was doing just kind of like moving his arms like he was hitting one of those small punching bags and just slowly moving towards his his enemies and it it, it worked quite well probably not what the developer intended but uh <laughs> hey man if you're gonna game the system if it works it works <laughs> it does it worked quite well so yeah it went over quite well i um i don't think any of them left thinking like uh, maybe Maybe uh, your Matt thought, oh, maybe we should get some VR stuff. But I think the others oh, were just happy to try it. Oh, 100%. Because Matt has been interested in VR ever since VR was announced. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's that, um, it's just the, how expensive it is to get into it, right? So yeah. we've always, we haven't pulled the trigger on it. I looked at getting the PSVR, mm -hmm. um, I guess, two Christmases ago, maybe three Christmases ago. Um, and it just... Yeah, it was just too expensive. It was way more than I thought it was to get into it. So, yeah, I think it's come down in price since then. And mm. like you said, there's a new Oculus coming out soon. So um, now that they've kind of worked out some of the kinks and there's more offerings, that that was the other part too, right? Is that there were just not as many offerings in terms of games. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, if there isn't a whole lot, it's like being an early adopter of a new resolution on the TV, right? Like, why spend a whole ton of money? on a 4k tv before there's any 4k content like now it's fine but mm. three or four years ago it was silly so i think it's it's also yeah i think the new tech coming is a great sort of entry point if you have no vr uh tech 
Also, there's a lot of, uh, there's a great back catalog, and I've also noticed games coming down in price too, because when VR started, this was even before I jumped in, every VR experience was very limited, but also very expensive, because yeah. you've got these high-scale projects being made for a very small audience, so they have to charge 50 bucks for a game that would normally be half the cost if it was just available on all platforms. And, you know, like Blades and Sorcery VR, $22 Canadian, so probably like less than 20 bucks American, definitely. And it's, in my mind, it's a complete VR experience that's going to evolve over time. But there's enough there to warrant the price of $20 to jump in and experience, you know, different arenas and different, you know, enemy yeah, styles I would and stuff like that. I would expect like $20 to be like for a lot of that, maybe a little bit more for Beat Saber just because it's got, um, Music like songs and yeah. music licensing, yeah. But um, most of the other ones, I would expect them to have twenty to thirty dollar price tags on them, just because you know they are quite small, repetitive, bite sized type experiences. Like mm -hmm. you're not gonna get. Well, we're gonna talk about Days Gone in a minute. You're not gonna get an experience like that in VR. Although I guess they are doing Skyrim, aren't they? Because they're doing Skyrim in every platform and way possible to milk that. Yeah, and a lot of games that are launching with VR support are be—it's being added in as a free update or as a new mode. So Resident Evil mm -hmm. Seven was like you bought Resident Evil Seven, you could play it on PC or you could play it on the Rift. Subnautica, same thing. I think Bethesda's developers early on were developing like the same game but in VR and then charging you again due to all the development costs. But now yeah. I think they're actually developing like VR experiences, you know, set in the same world. So I think there's, yeah. there's like a new Wolfenstein coming out, but there's also like a new Wolfenstein experience for VR as well. So it's... I had actually forgotten that um, Subnautica was available in VR. Yeah. We could I mean, have booted okay. it up. I yeah I don't because I know Matt Matt has played well he's he's finished the uh, or I guess he's finished Subnautica and there's a new I think it's Below Zero is what it's called yeah but there's an expansion coming out soon and and that would be a nice uh, combination I think because I feel like Subnautica would be absolutely beautiful if you could handle it but I feel like there's moments in Subnautica where. I get scared and things are like jumpy and things and, mm -hmm. and I just feel like I would probably end up if if I managed to not vomit, I would just be across the room breaking lamps by accident and stuff because I'd just be like jumping and running and like <laughs> Yeah, lots yeah. of sharks. I would not be safe with a VR headset on. Yeah. I would not be safe, anyone around me would not be safe, and any and all furniture would be destroyed, including the TV. <laughs> yeah. But there are experiences where you sit down and you're you're playing with a with a different control setup. So like I have another game we didn't touch, which is called Moss, which is more of the dior diorama style where you sit in a chair and your viewpoint is affected by you, you know, sort of moving your head and, and looking around the environment, but then you're controlling with the touch controller to kind of move the character around and and you're you're kind of the god in the scenario where you're kind of moving pieces around the map to kind of get this character to move you know through a through an environment so there are different experiences that are sort of coming out here and there and i think there's to me there seems to be like a new vr experience to try out every every couple months it's still not at the same clip that you would expect from a normal console but i'd say there's enough of back catalog and there's enough coming 
And the fact that this is Facebook's, you know, second rendition of both the uh, non-PC headset and the PC headset, that's a good sign that they're interested in continuing to run the VR business, right? And then Valve has also dipped their toes in. They're going to have their own hardware coming out in June called the Index, although that one appears to be over $1,000 and is using trackers again. So Mm. I'm... Not a big fan of trackers because, again, like we, it took us like maybe 15 minutes to set it up. But for me, I don't have room where my computer is, so I have to move everything into the other room. And I guess it's well, the same the for thing, you guys, like, right? It, yeah, it's, you know, even though we, we do have a larger living room, so we do have space, like we still had to, you know, push all our furniture back. And mm-hmm. like it, it's very disruptive because you have to keep that space clear because it's all calibrated, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't want to have to tear it down and set it back up over and over and over again. So, yeah, if there, I think that the sensor-free version is probably the better way to go once that becomes available. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to reviews. It's not like I'm running out and going to get it uh, since I already have, like, a complete setup here. But uh, it's, I'm excited that I got to sort of experience it in a social setting because I wanted to see, like, what what that would be like. So it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, before we move on to Days Gone, though, I want to quickly wrap up this month-long saga with the PlayStation Classic. I played it. It's not as good as everybody... Or, or it's not as good, and that's what everyone was saying. It's, uh, I mean, it pales in comparison to the Nintendo Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic, right? It's kind of got some steep competition there. The I never owned Is a PlayStation. Is it because of the, of the game offerings, or...? It's you know what it's Controls a combination. It's a combination of the game offering, the games on it, the offering there, as well as the fact that that specific generation uh, had a lot of a lot of games that were affected by the technology at the time. So when you think of the N sixty four, you can name at least ten great games because they were games that embrace the hardware you know super mario 64 zeldas both the zelda 64s uh banjo kazooie one and two like there's a lot of golden eye thank you perfect dark um donkey kong country even i i did like that one um but then you look at the playstation and you see the ones that i can name off the top of my head is like the crash games the spyro games you know, uh, Metal Gear, Final Fantasy, stuff like that. And they have some of those, but they've just clearly omitted the Crash games and the Spyro games, probably due to the fact that they have those remasters out. And that's just not the way you do business with these classic consoles. Like, could you imagine if Nintendo left one of the Mario games off because they had just done a remake or something? That would just be a slap in the face of people who are looking forward to these these miniature consoles. Um so obviously the, all these comments have been have been shouted from the rooftop since it launched in November. But I will say, though, that like at $20, it's a great nostalgic way to play through or at least experience some of Final Fantasy VII. And it does look cool on the shelf next to the other mini consoles. So um, it's just it's just a it's it's a tough generation. You know, I think that the PlayStation at the time had some great gems but they've just left some of those out and i never owned a playstation so like you you were already on in an uphill battle there because i don't have the nostalgia for these yeah these games right um but i do remember playing 
and seeing playstations at friends places and, and hearing the sounds and you know seeing some of the games and i, I would always think like yeah but it's not mario man like it's just mm-hmm. it's like really blocky weird car people shooting rockets like i don't understand it it doesn't make sense it does not compute but yeah it's uh i probably won't bring it up again it's it's as sorry and as sad as uh, a lot of people were saying. Huh. <laughs> well, what's not as sorry and sad as some people are saying, mm. I think, is Days Gone. So we uh, were going to record last week, but then Ryan ended up here, and then we didn't really have time to record, and we hadn't had as much time in it as we wanted to. So um, I've since played quite a good chunk at least enough to get like first impressions i think i've probably played somewhere between six and eight hours of it now and i'm kind of pleasantly surprised Hmm. i'm really enjoying well it's it's kind of funny i guess i'm on the fence but it's funny that there's a lot of systems in the game that i don't like and yet i'm having fun when i'm playing it Probably because I'm playing uh, quite a stealthy sort of playstyle, which then means that I'm not getting into combat as often because I don't really like the combat. I don't know how you're feeling about the combat, but in particular, I just don't like how you uh, like change. So there's different categories. You open up, it's uh, like a wheel system. So you open up the wheel and then there's like categories. So there's, Traps and distractions and throwable objects, which are like grenades and Molotov cocktails and stuff. But then like even with your weapons, like so your crossbow has different kinds of ammo. So you have to go to the crossbow section or the special weapon section and then whoosh around again to pick your ammo. And I find it's really like sometimes it takes me three or four tries to hit the right ammo. I just wish it was tied to buttons instead of like a radial type Mm -hmm. wheel. Because I, I, oh my god, I find it so frustrating. And even when I'm not, like, in active combat, I'm just looking to get into combat, so I'm not even under any kind of stress. It's like, I'll go to the section, pick the ammo that I want, or I think that I've picked it, because there's no, like, once you get it, like, push X to select or anything. It's like you just kind of hover over it and then let the let the stick go. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work, and I'm just like, oh. This is really frustrating. It shouldn't be this hard to choose my ammo. Yeah, that um, that combat wheel is odd. Like you said, it just feels it feels like it should work a lot better. Because I think I think it's the multi layer of it, in that you just kind of mm-hmm. want to quickly select something, but then you feel like you're not being punished because it's going into the next sort of you know type of ammo. But it just it feels like you might be, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't feel as snappy. Uh, but for me, you're right. Like it, this is a stealth game. It's it's not honestly something they kind of talked about in you know pre-release sort of coverage, not coverage, but uh, you know previews, because mm-hmm. it, you have to be stealthy and you have to be mindful of you know a, a clear example that I just experienced today as I was playing was uh, there there are these places called the Nero stations. Yeah, it's basically the military uh, had left a bunch of these stations, checkpoints and stuff that were abandoned, and you. You go through them to unlock a little bit of story and and unlock a a fast travel and a sleep point. So if you go into them, the first one you come to, you have to start the generator and it teaches you like, oh, make sure you cut off the speaker points so that it doesn't draw a horde. 
Um, so the second time I came across, I found all the speakers and I took them off, except for one, they moved it off of the sort of trailer-esque things and onto like the checkpoint stuff. And I ended up having to deal with my first sort of horde, right? Your swarm, yeah. Yeah, swarm. And I guess, it, yeah, at that point it wasn't a horde. I haven't come across one of those yet, but it was, uh, it was interesting because it, it quickly tells you like, oh yeah, when you don't have the option to be stealthy and you're dealing with more than like four or five zombies at a time you want to get out of there because you just you just screwed up like you're supposed that's yeah. part of the puzzle is to take out the speakers so i was trying constantly to try to like take them out but it just there was just too many of them so yeah like it when you can't do stealth it feels it feels like you just got to get out of there and reset the encounter and the game has mm-hmm. been pretty generous in that aspect you know where i drove away and when i came back maybe two minutes later the horde had the swarm had dissipated and it was it was just yeah. a standard amount of zombies left so it's nice of them to do that uh but so what it, do you yeah. think about the actual enemies themselves because so far i've only come across two kinds mm-hmm. but you can tell when you go to turn in the bounties that like when you go and talk to the chick then it shows you like your inventory and it's like i think there's a approximately eight or nine types of zombies according to what kind of trophies you can turn in because it shows me like okay you've got the first two and you've got this many zombie ears and then it says like undiscovered 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 so Mm -hmm. i think there's still many more dudes to come yeah but so far i've found the newts and the swarmers so what are your thoughts so far on the enemies well, it's interesting because this is one of the so typically zombie the zombie genre uh, treats children and uh, you know teenagers and under sort of as like the the sacred characters of the show or the t- movie or the game in that they don't showcase those type of zombies very much because it it can be a little you know jarring for the player or the, or the person experiencing the entertainment in this one you know what, what was it uh, there's the newts it, they're essentially kid zombies yeah and i thought like it was an interesting you know portrayal because of course children are going to fall victim to the whatever caused this this outbreak and they are interesting because they're different they're more like what you would expect from a younger you know, feral animal and that they won't, they won't come after you unless you're low health or you provoke them. And they kind of like, they like crawl atop, you know, rooftops and, and you're, you can see them and they see you, but they're not coming after you. And I thought that was super creepy and really well set up in, in lore and, and in gameplay as well. Um, yeah. And I feel like that is probably why I'm enjoying Days Gone more than I enjoy typical zombie fare because Mm -hmm. I find even with the swarmers that are like your basic zombie in Days Gone, I find that combat with them is interesting because first of all, they're fast, Mm -hmm. which we knew going into this from from all of the the promo stuff. We knew that this was going to be fast zombies, not slow zombies. Mm -hmm. But... They're not only fast, they're also smart. So even like when you get into melee combat with them, like they can dodge and they like will like take a step back and then lunge at you. And so their combat style kind of changes based on your combat style, 
which I find more engaging than just, you know, a meat sack to be pounded three or four times. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, a really good way of putting it. I, I found, and, and it keeps the combat interesting because the melee, very basic. You are just yeah. kind of mashing the R2 button to, to hit and dodging occasionally. If they didn't have that mechanic where the, and these are early on enemies, maybe some of the more advanced enemies have... You know, yeah, like I say, I've only found two of the eight or nine yeah. possible types. So same here, and, and the introduction, or at least possible types of zombies, because there are also human, like still alive human enemies. And there's a couple uh, of different versions of that. There's a couple different versions of those, and you don't cut off human ears. No, nope. <laughs> apparently that's too far. So there's there's eight or nine like trophy worthy enemies in the game, and of those, I've only encountered two. I like the trophy, uh, you know, the, the the way they've set up that, that trophy system, the bounties, because mm-hmm. you're killing a lot of zombies. And oftentimes you're like, well, there's no reason to, there's no reason to take these zombies out. They're just, they're just, they're doing their own thing. But every zombie you kill, you pick up, like you said, a, a bounty, and then you can take it back to camp and trade those in for basically credits to use mm-hmm. within well, the in- currency system. And not only credits, but every time... The other thing that I really do like about this game is that... Mm -hmm. So there's different survivor hubs, like different settlements. And each settlement will give you different quests and stuff. And if you complete quests in their territory, if you remove zombie nests, like all that kind of stuff, then you earn reputation. They call it trust, but it's reputation, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And... As you, as the settlement trusts you more, then you unlock more recipes, you unlock more, um, like, consumable items that can be purchased from the store, you unlock things for your bike, like, customizations for your bike and stuff. So, there's a really robust reputation system, and the thing that I like the most is that, like, you can choose to turn in, like, where to turn in your zombie ears. Like, all settlements are looking for zombie ears and Mm -hmm. will reward you for basically clearing out their territory. So you can turn them in wherever you need more reputation, basically. So I thought that that was a really interesting touch that, like, I can take not only, like, bounties, but then also things like meat and herbs and, like, supplies in general you can take them to any place where you need more reputation and i really like that system so it's like anything that i'm doing out in the world at any given time is worth something and i get to decide what it's worth and where turning it in is going to make the biggest difference for me and how i'm playing yeah i i think you're right like the trust system is really cool um this seems like a more advanced well, the most advanced open-world zombie game I've played, obviously the experiences I've had before are State of Decay and State of Decay 2. And this game takes those systems and ratchets them up. Every character you're interacting with has its own dialogue, and it's very... It's polished to a certain extent. I think some of the dialogue is is not as great, but... Um, I find some of it to be kind of repetitive, so yeah. it's it's not really too much of a spoiler to say that basically it's you and your brother surviving out in the wild, and he gets very badly injured right off the bat. So you spend a lot of time walking around, and every time you complete a quest, like a, a they're called um, 
storylines and I'll talk about storylines in a minute but basically every time you complete a quest then you have like you radio in to check on him because he's like holding down base camp basically while he recovers and the conversation that you have back and forth with him every time you complete a quest is 80% the same you know like how you feeling oh, I'm doing okay how you feeling oh yeah no good I just cleared out a insert quest here and then, you know, how, um, oh, yeah, we're going to ride north soon. Yeah, we're going to ride north soon. And that's the end of the conversation. So it's like the only part that really changes is like insert quest that I just finished. Yeah. <laughs> like information I'm relaying back to my brother for some reason. Other stuff so, is weird. Did you notice the main character? He talks to himself a lot. And it feels like he's breathing weirdly as he talks. I don't know if you noticed this, but he's like... I definitely had not noticed this. Okay, and I so wonder it, if it's just like... So I was playing today and actually... One of the kind of audio cues is that apparently everybody drives around on motorcycles. Mm. So every once in a while, there'll be like a mercenary patrol coming. And so you're basically supposed to like listen for their motorcycles. It was a really nice day. We haven't had a really nice spring day lately. So I had all the windows in the house open. But our <laughs> house is on a main road. And apparently, because it was such a nice day everyone was out on motorcycles so i kept hearing motorcycles thinking people were about to attack me in game and then like a motorcycle would drive by the front of our house and i was like damn it <laughs> canadians and they're like one day of good weather <laughs> it has been nice lately uh, yeah, yeah. I, I i it's weird he'll like say stuff so yeah i'm not sure himself. if i just haven't sorry i was gonna say i'm not sure if i haven't noticed because like i had a lot of ambient noise just right. from having all the windows open on a main road so i might not have noticed something as um subtle <laughs> as <laughs> the character's breathing pattern well he just he he like breaks mid-sentence and goes like <gasps> you know it's really <laughs> Like, I don't get it. I, I definitely have not noticed that. Well, are oh, you, like, maybe, are you sprinting a lot? Like, are you uh, running out of, like, stamina? I am, but it also could be him reacting to... So I just, it just popped into my head. He's probably reacting to the nests. So there's the mechanic where you'll be oh, driving yeah, through the yeah. world. And part of the reason you know there's a nest nearby is your character will be like, Oh, God, I can smell it. Oh, it's so, there's got to be a nest around here. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they smell real bad. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's what was happening is I was, I was clearing nests and the character was like having that. Trying not to throw up. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I guess like I'm not holding it against him. I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, and now that I've kind of like pieced it together in my head, I guess it makes sense. But uh yeah, that they're actually trying to tell you something with your character's weird breathing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you mentioned, so you mentioned clearing out nests and they are clearing out infestations are part of the kind of grander storyline. And I do want to talk about storylines because this is something that I don't ever remember seeing in another game. And I find really interesting is that right from the get go, if you go in and look at your storylines, then it'll show you it's it's almost like how much of the game that you've completed. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, a heading. So it'll be like, um, I remember, I think is one of them. And it has a heading, a color and an icon. And it'll tell you like how far you are through that storyline. And so most of my storylines, except for the, the tutorial storyline, most of my storylines are somewhere in the 5 to 20% completion. And the really interesting thing is, is that you'll get quests 
that will show you like what storyline it's a part of but then sometimes it'll have extra icons so it's like okay yes technically you're completing a storyline that's like helping you remember your past but then at the same time that also goes into you know how the world ended and also maybe something about uh i can't remember another one but there's probably about 12 or 14 different storylines in the game and it each quest will like add to different completions and like put different parts of the story so it's all this like big woven tapestry of questing instead of just like you are going down a quest line and it is teaching you this one thing it's like each quest gives you a little chunk of information about a different section of the story which is really cool and i don't remember seeing something like that in another game that i've played yeah it is interesting that like usually in an open world game the story is linear in a way that you're you're progressing the main campaign or you're just doing side quests and this it feels like they've even taken the story and treated it as an open world game where you're you're piecing together different parts sometimes you're completing quests and that is impacting other storylines you know yes uh, exactly and and other quests uh, it, 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 i gotta say though that menu super confusing right at the, at the start because like you ac- i accidentally opened it with the touchpad and then Ugh, it, i i hate that it's tied to the touchpad <laughs> i hate it so much yeah so it's touched the, it's tied to the touchpad i accidentally push it and then it launches the tutorial it's like swipe right for the map swipe left for skills and i'm like whoa guys the touchpad is one of those things that people played around with like early on in the playstation 4's life cycle you do not need to tie this to the touchpad like i love it as a big giant button don't get it me is, wrong it is so integrated though i've hit Uh it by accident so many times because basically like you can push the touchpad like a button Mm -hmm. and then it brings you into the four direction uh menu and but then you have to swipe you can't there's no other way to navigate that so you have to swipe left right whatever so then if you accidentally hit it and so this like i can understand if it if it like worked if the touchpad wasn't so gimmicky like maybe this would be good like if you swipe right then you can access like it goes immediately into the map which having that kind of a a shortcut is kind of nice but just with it being on the touchpad i've accidentally hit it so many times i think you can push r1 and r and l1 to to navigate sort of the other like the, the you map. can once you're once you're into it so like right. once you're into the map or once you're into your storylines and once you're into your um, skills then yeah the bumper buttons do stuff but to like when you first get into that four direction menu that's a swipe thing and it's just like no why are you doing this right and something you had mentioned to me when i arrived at your place because i hadn't played it at that point is that you were both playing it on a on an og playstation 4 oh yeah mine's a launch day one as well and i gotta say that like i think we're starting to experience and i I know you'll agree with this i think we're starting to really experience first party games that are prioritizing the pro i would love to talk to someone playing this on a pro and compare notes because you feel it on the on the non-pro version of the playstation 4 that is my one like biggest problem with this game and i i think that this finally has convinced me to literally never buy a playstation 4 game again 
mm. because it just it's not built for the PlayStation 4. It's built for the Pro. It's built like looking forward to the PlayStation 5. Like it's it's just it's so slow and there's so like when I hit a loading screen, which is pretty often, I can get up, go make a coffee, come back and it's Oof. still loading. Like it's really 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 long and it just has like a blank black screen. They don't even load anything else. Like there's no um photo or anything no scenes no videos no nothing plays uh there's just in the in the bottom right corner there's a little spinning ring and in the bottom left corner there's uh tips like just like tool tips you can kind of cycle through but the um the tips aren't really anything of note it's like press circle to crouch <laughs> okay thanks tips <laughs> yeah i the loading is weird for for me like when i booted the game up initially it took a long time Ooh, and yeah and when it when it does load sort of in between cutscenes, in and out of cutscenes, it'll load and that is a bit jarring like there's a lot of loading in this game and you're right it's very plain it's not like spider-man where they're displaying like spider-man in, in, a, in a sort of very like oh look at the suit oh i get to see the suit up close this is really cool so they don't even try to like give you some distraction um, but I've also noticed like a lot of, you know, a lot of chugging, you know, a lot of frame rate slowdowns, especially when I'm interacting with, you know, environments, you know, storms or explosions, mm. it causes this slowdown and it's quite noticeable. Uh, it doesn't ruin the game. It still feels like it happens just, just slightly, not slightly too often, just, it just happens and it is a bit of a bummer. Uh, I would, it would be really well, cool. Well, it's enough yeah. that you're talking about it. Yeah. To the point that it like it's almost like a feature of the game. It's like it's a thing that the game does that you can't overlook because it happens that often. And I had the exact same problem with um, Darksiders. Hmm. The exact same problem with uh, oh crap, what's the game I played before that? Basically, the only one lately that I haven't had that problem with was Detroit Become Human because that game just was lower there were dialogue options and it wasn't it as action oriented it wasn't an open world like it was none of those things so the playstation 4 had no problem handling that but as soon as the playstation 4 has to render some of these like bigger worlds with more random events and stuff like it just it just can't handle it it's it's not made for that so i don't think i'm going to be buying any more games on the playstation 4 i'm just going to wait until the next gen comes out and uh go from there because it's not worth it <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm actually looking at this and thinking maybe this is a reason to try and wait for the 0.5 um the, or or invest sooner in the 0.5 you know rendition of the new hardware because i think that like just get onto that 0.5 as soon like, as it comes rotation. out so like get the pro now mm. the playstation 4 pro now and then wait until the playstation 5 pro yeah like I'm, beyond that iteration of it maybe like it's weird this you kind of look at the way they did it with phones and the difference between phones and consoles is that with my phone i can hold on to it for an extra year for the 0.5 cycle but that doesn't mean i can't keep up with like the new operating system or keep up with new games i can still play them on my phone um but with the playstation 5 like we might be missing out on and we talked about this we might be missing out mm -hmm. on some some really good sequels like horizon dawn or a better version of the last of us part 2 
And I'm kind of thinking like maybe if you can wait for that 0.5, whether it's by, you know, just, you know, waiting on a, on a specific game or playing it on PC, if it's the, if it's an Xbox type thing, I, I just, and I, I mean, Days Gone is certainly not a game where I'd be like, I got to go drop, you know, $400 and get a, a PS4 Pro, right? It's not, it's not even in the cards. But I just, I would wonder, I'm curious, I wonder if it would play better. Maybe it's, maybe it's a problem that exists on both, uh, both platforms. I mean, I don't know. It would be interesting. I, I have to assume that it's better on the PlayStation 4 Pro. I mean, mm -hmm. there's even times where, you know, like, I'll kill, kill a person or kill a zombie or something. And then there's like a, a puddle of blood around them that looks like, almost like you were just talking about, um, Nintendo 64, like perfect edges, like this like weird shiny red texture. It just like it looks terrible, terrible. Mm. Like it's something from twenty years ago. <laughs> so I have to I have to assume that it it would be better on the PlayStation Four, and that literally like textures won't load on the normal PlayStation. It's got to be problems like that because yeah. there's a lot of like real pretty like settings and just character design and there's there's a lot of real nice visuals in this game that I I can't imagine that they would think that it would be okay to just not do blood like <laughs> that's kind of central to a zombie killing game right like so I think it's just there's st some stuff that just doesn't load mm -hmm. especially if you're like in combat and if if it has to be doing a whole bunch of other things at the same time yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the game looks... Mm, Mercury! Mercury is the thing that I'm thinking of that makes, like, the perfect puddle with, like, the rounded edges. Right. When you spill oh, it. Oh, I see. That's what, the, that's what the blood looks like. It looks like Mercury, except for red instead of silver. <laughs> <laughs> well... It looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't noticed that, but I guess I haven't... I, have, I haven't been playing, like, a ton of the game, but I, I just... It... It, it is a little slower, uh, a slower paced game, and it is a bit of a letdown in comparison to like the last few Sony hits that we've had that I've absolutely adored, like God of War, Spider-Man, and, and Horizon Zero Dawn. It just, it feels like you can do more with this hardware, and it feels like you could do more with this, and I know we're only like six hours in, but I feel like you could do more with what they're laying down in this game, like with the open world and... and and the characters like the characters so far feel there's no standouts like everybody just is yeah the characters are pretty generic and the thing is like you haven't spent too much time at this point with mm. anybody else really i mean you've got your brother who's super injured and pretty out of it um and then you've got you know outpost commander guy who is kind of mean but in a like you were probably real nice before it went all apocalypsy, so you're still you're you're pretty nice for the apocalypse. Yeah, you know, like he's that kind of a character, and you haven't really met anybody else outside of that, other than you know, like other groups of humans who are giant dicks that you just have to kill, mm -hmm. and then you know everybody else's zombies. So there there isn't a whole lot of um, interesting characters that have been injected in the story so far. But that being said, I'm still, like, because I enjoy the storyline mechanic so much, and I find that such an interesting way to deal with questing, I'm kind of okay with it, and mm -hmm. it's enough to just, like, keep me going. Yeah, I think the way I talked about 
you know, Crackdown 3, and that it was a fun way to just kind of zone out and, and go through the systems. I think with Days Gone, I'm also experiencing that, that, that feeling where I'm just, I'm happy to, you know, sit back, you know, do the quests, take out Ness, you know, progress this game. It, it is satisfying in that notion. Like the combat, I'm starting to get into the skills. I just unlocked mm-hmm. one where you, um, can hit someone with melee and then immediately like go into an aim and then shoot someone, you know, that feels very snappy in dealing with now all of a sudden you have the tools to kind of like incapacitate two zombies at once as opposed to, you know, trying to pick them off one at a time. So yeah, early on, you have to be really careful. Like you can't pull more than like two at a time. Yeah. And even then it's like, you just have to beat on one and dodge the other at the same time. Like it's just, oh, it gets out of hand. And especially the first nest I went to clear, Mm. it gets out of hand really quickly. Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think it's it is a little unfortunate that this is we're starting to get to the end of the PlayStation 4's life cycle and we are seeing a clear example of something that's running and not so great on old hardware. Uh, but yeah, it's there's still something about it that I'm really still enjoying and I do like zombie stuff. I like zombie content. That should be no surprise to anybody who knows me. Yeah. So <laughs> this also, you know, ranks in terms of like very competent zombie content i i think that and that's hard to come by a lot of it is garbage you know and when (laughs) and 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 garbage is on the low scale obviously but there's also like some not so great content like state of decay 2 was just not enough of an an improvement over state of decay 1 and it just it didn't feel right so i i stepped away from it but days gone feels like it's the right amount uh they they've done a good job it's not a great game it's not an amazing game but it's still it's it's a lot of fun. It's fun in its moments that it displays. It's just it's really unfortunate when the hardware chugs a bit. Yeah, I feel like it's a solid like eight. So far, I'm I'm enjoying it pretty much as much as I did Breath of the Wild. Mm. So I like I feel like it's a solid experience. Mm. So I'm gonna report back in again once I because I'm I'm gonna as soon as we finish recording I'm gonna go play another six or eight hours of it because i am enjoying my time in it so i want to see where they're going and what story they're trying to tell because i feel like i've been as much as i said a lot of the quests go towards a lot of different storylines some of them still feel a little bit more side questy than others like you feel like you have like the major goal of getting your brother out of where you are and and going north and that's kind of what you're planning to do in your big overarching story so i think i need to move like progress that storyline on a little bit more and then i think the world's gonna open up for me again so i'm i i think it's it's a solid title i just i wish i had it on a pro that's all yeah yeah and if anyone is playing it on a pro certainly let us know how it runs because mm-hmm. i would be very curious to hear and you can do that by going to bit.ly slash tgi discord if you'd like to talk to us over there you can also go to patreon.com slash the gamers in and leave us a comment over there uh we do Thank everyone who is supporting us over at patreon.com slash the gamers in. And we are currently looking for our patron of the month. So if you would like to be mentioned on our May shows, please do go over to again, patreon.com slash the gamers in. That brings us to our topic of the week this week and this week. (laughs) No surprise. We are talking about that God awful Sonic trailer. (laughs) Okay. Before we get into the, the obvious of this trailer, I'm going to admit something. I really love Jim Carrey, and when he went super dramatic in in his his acting roles, which were which were great, 
uh, I did miss that comedy aspect of him. And can yeah. we? Maybe you won't agree with me. I'm curious, but I think Jim Carrey is the best thing about this trailer. All of his stuff 100%, is fine. Hundred percent. Okay. One hundred percent. Yeah. And I really liked even uh, although this kind of stems from my problem with movie trailers in general. Mm-hmm. I really like seeing his evolution from like normal looking dude up to like video game character because he's um dr robotnik Mm -hmm. is the name of the character i never played sonic so i'm really reaching no well that's good robotnik oh is is, that that's who he is okay so like i really liked watching the evolution of the character there and i think that that was a really smart choice to start him off normal looking and again not knowing too much about the actual like plot and stuff but it just it's it's really cool that they didn't just start him off like full Jim Carrey crazy, you know, mm-hmm. that there's some evolution there. So you're right. I think the Jim Carrey stuff in the trailer looked awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. I really like his, like not all of his crazy over the top stuff, but some of his crazy over the top stuff is really, really good. And I've liked his departure over to the drama side of movies, but you're right. Like eternal sunshine, the spotless mind love, but you're right. I miss the the fun, crazy, comedic Jim Carrey. So mm-hmm. this looks like a really good fit for him because he has kind of shown that range. And I think that's really going to benefit this movie. So I agree with you 100%. Jim Carrey, thumbs up. Yeah. Some of the, the dialogue in the trailer that he has, you'd think like, oh, this is this is going to be the worst. But like his interactions with the army general, it's just it works. Uh, and yeah. Do- Dr. Robotnik, here's the thing. Dr. Robotnik, he's not really like that in the games because in the games he's this he's bowser but he can talk and it's the worst thing ever um (laughs) sonic games i again like sonic is a beloved character only because he was a mascot alongside mario there wasn't a lot of competition back then and that's the reason sonic is kind of still beloved today because he he's grandfathered in right but (laughs) there's no story to the Sonic games of note. And I think what they've done here is they've come up with the story that y- the only story you can tell is that Sonic's from another world. He somehow gets here, portals, big rings, I don't know. You you get Sonic to Earth somehow, and Dr. Robotnik is, is a human because he is that in the video games, I guess. I don't know. He's the only thing that looks like a human in that. But so that makes sense. Him interacting with the world, the army doesn't understand him, he's causing disruptions and stuff, that's all fine as well. And Dr. Robotnik is basically hired to capture him, that works as well. But where it falls apart is, and I love Ben Schwartz, but where it falls apart is like the dialogue they give Sonic and his god-awful design. (laughs) It's just so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, and so I feel like they tried to humanize him too much. Mm-hmm. So there are so many parts of his design that just don't fit with what Sonic the character was. And if they're sticking to the plot point of he's from outer space, why does he look even slightly humanoid? Like he should look Sonicy. And I mean, like we said this back when all the marketing uh, promo stuff either came out or was leaked or whatever a few months ago. But not only now that we've actually seen him animated instead of just like photo stills. Yeah. Like not only are his eyes 
the worst thing ever, which was the thing that was so off-putting for me with the still image. But his mouth is like a person's mouth. It's so gross. It's so gross and so weird that you're just like, who thought this was a good idea? And part of what makes Sonic such a cool design as like a video game character is his like teeny tiny body with his Mm -hmm. super big feet and his super long legs and he runs real fast and that makes so much sense that like when they tried to make his proportions more closely resemble a human Mm -hmm. it just it's like next level uncanny valley like i didn't realize that that valley could get any deeper but it did (laughs) well i don't want to alarm anybody but in the first pitch meeting for a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, maybe they would have leaned in on the, I don't know, hedgehog part of it. He doesn't look <laughs> anything like a hedgehog. And his cartoon in the, in the video games, even when they transitioned to 3D, they still kept what you would what you'd imagine is like a, a cartoon version of a hedgehog. Long, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I know a hedgehog doesn't look exactly like Sonic the Hedgehog, but doesn't definitely look like a human being with weird spiky hair. And yeah. I think if you, if Sonic... It looks like the the Sonic design in the trailer right now mm-hmm. looks like a dude wearing a spandex blue <laughs> bodysuit with fur glued onto it. It's so weird. It's weird. And, so weird. <laughs> and, it's, and he's small in, in the sense that he, he, but he appears large in some scenes and then he appears small. There's a scene where he's like hiding in a duffel bag. And, and I mean, that kind of shows off his, his scale. But then there are other scenes where they, they showcase him in a, in a light where he feels to be all, like, much, because, bigger. much bigger. And because of his human stature, it's like, that's a six foot tall dude in a blue suit. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just, and, but like, the other thing is they nail the sounds. There's a lot of the, you know, the boings and the springs and the, and, and the coin sounds, the ring sounds, they, they lean into that really well. Uh, and they even, I think with Sonic, like, I think they nail when you're not seeing him as a human, they nail that uh, idea of, uh, you must've seen enough Sonic to know, like when he kind of does a spin dash where he goes into a ball and he kind of blurs up and he goes real fast. I think that that looked pretty good. That looked okay to me. Uh, that was not a problem. I think it's really just whenever he's standing around and talking and I love Ben Schwartz and I think, I think he's a good voice. Um, Sonic's always been this like really, you know, in your face attitude kind of character so i think that fits it's just his design is so off-putting and, and when you put this up against i the... was gonna say you know like you're talking about the voice actor and how he's a good fit for sonic and everything mm. else i legit cannot remember any of sonic's lines or what he sounded like at all because the visuals were so off-putting to me mm. that i just that's the only thing i remember from the trailer is just how bad that was like how weird it was and like i just i could i could not get past it to the point that i can't even remember any of the lines that they showed off him saying like it's not bad he's not bad like if you were to so you gotta you gotta think like they've always had this voice actor in the video games he's a he's a um i think it's roger craig smith or something and he's a common you know he, he's very talented but he, he's a common video uh vo- video game voice actor you you see him a lot but when they come, when they do these movies, they always have to kind of find someone similar to that voice, but obviously a movie star because this is a movie and that's kind of how these things roll. And I think it's a good fit in terms of like 
If you're looking at the Sonic games and you want the Sonic movie to sound similar but not the exact same and you want name power, I think they made a good choice. But again, like when you put this movie up against, and I wonder if they delayed the trailer because of uh, Pikachu, Pokemon Detective or whatever, uh, where those designs at first are off-putting, but you once you realize like, oh, this is kind of what Pokemon would look like in real life, it's not what it's not what I was hoping for in terms of it different from the cartoon, but it still works and it still fits. It feels weird. There's uncanny valley because you're literally putting cartoons into a real world. But I think we've all come to accept that. Like it looks, it it looks like our brains can accept what Pokemon look like through yeah, a the realistic Pokemon, lens. Yeah, the Pokemon didn't bother me because I felt like they were realistic enough but cartoony enough mm-hmm. that they still looked how I thought that they should uh, without being too realistic. So like I thought that they I thought they did a really good job with with Pokemon and that's that's why the Sonic in comparison is just so terrible. But there is good news. This is kind of breaking news only a couple hours before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Paramount and Sega have finally actually responded to all of this because there was literally they, there was no one no one on the internet that was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want Sonic to look like. Woo, you did it. Like, there was no one being positive about this. And I know, in general, the internet is a super negative place. But even people who were normally try to find the bright side, like, there was there was nobody who thought this was a good idea. So uh, Paramount and Sega have come out now and said that they are fully committed to making this character the best he can be. So they are changing Sonic's design, yeah, which is really interesting given that it's supposed to come out in November. Yeah. I hope this isn't Superman's mustache. Uh, oh, I mean, how could you get, how could it be worse than what they've already got going on here? Well, I just, and I don't know too, too much about um, like the animation process. I don't know if like they have a character skeleton that is already animated and therefore they can just like put a different skin on him like Mm. i don't know if if movie animations work the same way as like video games do in that like you can have a video game skin well we see all the time so many games now offer different skins as cosmetics that doesn't actually change the underlying character design right so i wonder if they're able to just like put a different skin on the character model and call it done. Um, well, it depends. Or if they have to make, like, can they just, basically, can they make changes to some sort of, like, master Sonic character and then apply it to the movie and, like, re-export, basically? <laughs> well, basically, it's... Obviously, I'm not an animator as well, but but the way it would, it would have to work is that you would have to touch every scene that Sonic's in and there would be more work if you have Sonic interacting with other characters. That's the worst part. Uh, if you have Sonic interacting and you know being with other characters and they're interacting between each other, that's going to cause issues. They're going to have to try to figure out a way where it still looks fine, especially if you change the well. And this uh, is what I mean. Like blocking. I don't. I don't know if it's like made up of layers. Like a Photoshop photo would be made up of layers. So all they have to do is change the Sonic one. Like if it's uh yeah. Again, I well, these it, are not things that I know from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me like there's going to be a lot of just 
CG stuff that has to be done. Yeah. Well, this is the last thing they're working on, right? Like the, 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 the video effects that they're working on the CG, like that's the last thing they put into these types of projects, right? Uh, they're as they're editing, they're putting in these uh, the characters, and Sonic appears to be the only computer animated character that we've seen in the trailer. So, if they're going to change the way he looks, you know, you can change as long as you keep maybe the same overall mass, like outline of the character. Well, yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Basically, like, you should be you, fine. You keep, yeah, can it's, you it's just still can you out. tweak his face and possibly like his build slightly but give him more keep him in too. the same base basically then you know how much are we actually how much how much work are we talking here i i don't know because i'm not a, a computer animator so it's, i'm not sure but it's more work than I they probably budgeted easy. for <laughs> yeah oh i'm sure i'm sure but i mean like i think if you're paramount and you're looking at this and you're seeing all of this backlash from the people who would form the core audience that you're hoping would go the first week and then tell everybody oh yeah it's a video game movie but it's really good and it's worth seeing even if you're not into video games even if you're not into sonic like the ones that they want to kind of spread the word and spread it to a more mainstream audience if you've got your core audience at this point in time mm. saying I can't even look at your main character because it's so off-putting, then they are looking at a total complete flop of a movie. Mm -hmm. So even if all of this changed to CG, even if all of this wasn't in the budget, they have to change it. Otherwise, they're going to lose so much money on the film that they're going to wish that they changed it. And it's really, really funny because, I mean, again, like I say, they're aiming at a specific audience to try to then spread it to a more mainstream audience and mm. it's funny that they're spinning it as oh we're fully committed to making sonic the best he could be it's like no you're fully committed to making sure you have butts in those seats come opening night that's what you're fully committed to you don't give a shit about sonic well, you really don't <laughs> I, I, yeah you're you're right and but i gotta say though that if they if, if they, they actually cared about the character it never would have looked like this in the first place I'm surprised this made it through. I mean, you yeah. look at you look at what you look at what Nintendo's doing with their characters and the reason they shied away from licensing their characters to movies and and you look at you look at the Mario movie they did. Uh the Mario and Luigi still looked like what you would think Mario and Luigi would look like in live action. This this is one of those things where I wonder if Sega had creative control cuz this looks like Hollywood being we need to take Sonic and put him in this world. He looks like an alien. Like that face just, it doesn't, it doesn't scream Sonic. It screams like some, I think I saw some comparisons, the, uh, the Jumanji kid who turns into a monkey and they colored him blue. And it's like, it's, it's uncanny how similar they look <laughs> like to each other. But uh, I hadn't seen that, but it's so true. It, yeah, it is true. And there's some, there's a great comparison in the Kotaku article that we'll link in the show notes. And I think this is, this is the comparison of what it doesn't need to look exactly like that, but it's, it's much closer to the original Sonic design. And if Sonic's from a parallel universe or an alien world, you can literally make him look like however you like. Make him look exactly like he does in in, in the video games. Like that's what people want. They want to see their. Yeah. Could you imagine if they did a Legend of Zelda movie and like your favorite characters didn't look the way you thought they would? Like Link just looked like a, a normal dude without 
his blonde hair or his green tunic like people would riot and it wouldn't make any sense yeah. like why make him why make a sonic movie only to to throw out the design of the original character that's made him so popular i don't get it makes no sense yeah I'm literally looking at the side by side screenshot now of Shimanji and it is it's the same. I know. It's the same. And how long ago did Jumanji come out? Like was... we're not talking about the the new one with no. the rock. We're talking about like the old one from like twenty years ago. The thing Oh my god. It, it's insane and but you know what? I wonder if could you imagine if this was a long con just to get everybody talking about a Sonic movie? That would be brilliant. If they, even if they said like, "Oh yeah, we always had this the the original design. We were just doing this to create buzz." I'd be like, "You know what? Kudos, kudos to you, you yeah, got fine well folks." Because if they <laughs> that would be hilarious if this be. was just like a, a yeah to try to show that they're like listening to the <laughs> community and all the rest of it, but then like really and truly, all they did was make that leaked air quotes marketing photo and then one trailer of a terrible design and then they're like oh look actually this is what sonic looks like didn't we like flip that on its head real fast look at us we're listening to you oh my god that would be like the best marketing ever in this day and age with the way that the internet is now <laughs> I, I gotta say if, if they kind of genius <laughs> it, if they turn it around on the sonic design i might be more inclined to maybe go see this uh sooner rather than rather than waiting for netflix i i I mean maybe i wouldn't go out to theaters like i i save my theater experience and you know getting a babysitter for 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 only specific occasions yeah i mean maybe i don't know if even a redesigned sonic would would get me to break that sort of practice but i would certainly rent it right away basically the same we do basically the same thing because we have like a cheap like five dollar down the street type theater that Mm -hmm. like doesn't do 3d doesn't do imax doesn't have like it it literally is something out of the 90s because we live in a very small town and so we reserve our you know half an hour drive to the big theater for you know experiences like avengers like things big effects and stuff like that but our we use our local theater for stuff that like we kind of want to see but it's okay if we don't have the big movie experience so that's kind of where i was thinking i was gonna go see sonic and then i was like i'm never going to see this movie <laughs> but now with a with an updated model then i want the, it's back in the maybe category yeah i want the jim carrey cut where there's just no sonic yeah, i just yeah i just want to see jim carrey's parts in the movie absolutely <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm sure that as soon as it's out on video someone will do that just cut sonic out of the sonic movie and it'll be glorious <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Again, if you guys want to catch up with us in between shows, the best way to get a hold of Ryan and I and talk to other members of the community is over on our Discord. You can join it by going to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you thought about the Sonic trailer or how your Days Gone experience has been on your PS4 Pro, please do so by emailing info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.